Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I am your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. Happy to be back with you guys for another episode. Excited for this week's episode with John Ackerman, who is the managing editor of the Sports Spectrum magazine, which I've had the privilege of writing for for the better part of this year. And John is just a great guy with a really awesome testimony. If there are any parents who are listening to this that maybe have struggled with infertility or have had pregnancy issues and trying to start a family and the disappointment and heartache that goes with that, John's story, I hope, is one that will encourage you and gives you hope. And I just am so grateful for John coming onto the show and sharing his testimony, both as a parent and his journey of faith and how his faith has guided him and his family through all of the struggles and joys that they've had as well. So really, really excited to share this conversation with you. Before we get into the conversation, I do want to tell you about something that I'll explain even more later on in the show. But Hannah Brincher, who is an author that I have really admired for a while, last summer I took a summer writing intensive course from her, and it was one of the best things that I did to jumpstart my writing career. And if anybody is listening to this who has an interest in making writing a career, make sure that you check out the show notes about the summer writing intensive offered by Hannah Brincher. I'll explain it a little bit more in the show, but it is one of the best things that you can do. And I have a special offer for my listeners. So make sure that you click that link as well. But thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with John Ackerman of Sports Spectrum Magazine. John Ackerman is my guest this week. John, how you doing, man? Doing well. I'm doing well, Cole. It's uh, good to chat with you. Um, yeah, it's just in the midst of the time that we're in. It's still things are still busy, but things are things are good. Right. So you know we're we're talking. Obviously, we're going to start with with sports stuff because you are the managing editor for Sports Spectrum, which is a magazine that I've been fortunate to write for uh, most of this year. And obviously, I've enjoyed that. I've been really enjoyed getting to tell different aspects of, of stories where sports and faith intersect and yeah. been with sports spectrum for a few years. What has this journey been like for you? I know that, you know, you've, you've been in media for most of your career, been in sports media for most of your career. Uh, this Avenue of intersecting faith with sports, how has this been different from what you've done before and what's kind of been rewarding about this part of your career? Well, honestly, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a dream job that I didn't even really know I had. Um, I mean, what I mean by that is like, I uh, was in high school when I first discovered that I wanted to be like a sports writer and, um, you know, read Sports Illustrated. I'm, I'm from Denver. I read the Denver Post, Rocky Mountain News, all that stuff and started getting involved in my high school um, and, and ended up studying journalism in college, graduated from Colorado State. Um, and went right into sports, sports media. I, I, my first job was with NBCOlympics.com out of college and got to go cover the Olympics and um, really a lot of fun stuff and, and had always wanted to, to do this. Um, but I wasn't a believer when I was in college to where like I never would have thought that I would one day be in charge of a magazine and a website that talk about sports and faith. Like that just was never even on my radar. Um, but as I've grown in my faith and grown in my career, I've always, I was long thought that it would just be amazing to be, to be writing about and telling the stories of athletes who, who share the same faith, um, and who, um, are driven by their faith. And that's now what I get to do. And, um, I've lived around, I've moved around a few different, places in the country for work. Um, but I'm back in my hometown. Like I moved back here about nine years ago, um, in a town just outside of Denver and this ideal job happens to be right where I, you know, 15, 20 minutes from where I grew up. So, um, certainly God's hand has been in that and, in just guiding me throughout my career and, and leading me to where I'm at now. And, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's very fun to be a part of sports spectrum and telling these stories because a lot of athletes want that platform or want that ability to share about their faith. Um, and they don't always get that, or they might have an interview with another organization or, or network or whatever. And, um, 
they share about their faith, but it gets edited out, you know? So like they're, they know that when they talk to us or, or when we tell their stories that the, the faith aspect of everything is going to be left in and, and we're actually going to highlight that more than a lot of other organizations obviously will. So it's a, it's a great organization to be part of. Yeah. When I got to t- talk to Jason earlier this year, that was one thing he mentioned was that, you know, a lot of these athletes, they do have a faith and, and we've seen mm-hmm. that with the amount of stories that we've been able to tell and they don't often get asked about it if they're just in a kind of, you know, a typical post-game interview. So he right. said, you know, when they do finally get to get to be asked about it, they light up, you know, and obviously he's, mm-hmm. he's doing the podcast part of it where, you know, people can listen and hear from those players. And then, you know, I'm kind of more uh, aligned with you where I do a lot of the writing stuff. And it's, you know, for me, it's been great because there's athletes that I've gotten to meet through doing this. Like for instance, I got to do the story on Carlin Isles and that's frankly one of my favorite stories that I've gotten to do. And yeah. it's just, it's so cool to hear this other side of, of athletes. And I guess what's kind of been, I, I, this is probably too easy of a question or maybe too difficult. I don't know. But I guess when you think about what is maybe the one or two most rewarding aspects of this, I mean, it's, it's easy, I guess, to say like we get to tell their faith, but I mean, there's, it's deeper. It's just like, you, for me, we get to learn about these athletes, but in your perspective, I mean, you've been at this for a few years now. I mean, just seeing all these different athletes and getting to go to these different events that you get to go to like the Super Bowl what are maybe one or two things that are, that are really rewarding about it that maybe stand out more than other things about this job for you? Well, ultimately, I mean, God calls us to, to share our faith. And um, not only do I get to do that, you know, just in, in the writing that I do or in conversations like this, um, but it, it provides a platform for athletes to, to share their faith. And with social media, I mean, a lot of them, you can, they can do that and they, and they do do that. Um, but this is just another platform for, for athletes to be able to share their faith. And that's really what we're, I mean, I, I, we published a story on, um, on one of our websites just this week on theincrease.com from a Brewers pitcher, Josh Lindblom, who's played, um, in the majors for, for quite a few years. He played in Korea for a few years and, uh, just had some things on his heart and wanted to share them. And he talked to his chaplain and his chaplain with suggested sports spectrum and, and the increase and he just couldn't thank me enough for the opportunity to like have that voice and to be that platform for athletes and so that that is very rewarding um because like i said before that they, they just they haven't always had this platform or they haven't always had the opportunity or having having the chance to share their faith and so to do that publicly as we're, we're all called to do as believers in christ um it just kind of gives them that opportunity as well it, what's really cool about that, and you kind of touched on it, you know, how the chaplain suggested sports spectrum. And I think to me, that speaks to just the, the, the trust that people have in, in the brand of sports spectrum. And I don't want to get into like kind of all like the, you know, the brand type stuff, but it's, it's what I'm getting at here is just in the six months that I've been contributing to sports spectrum, I've seen just how much I feel like it's grown and, and how much people are really starting to pay attention to the ministry of it. And, from when you started a few years ago to now, I mean, how have you seen just maybe the awareness of, of sports spectrum? And I think that just the, the global imprint of sports spectrum and the mission of it has grown. I mean, in your perspective, how have you seen that and what's kind of been your take on that? Yeah. So when I started, it's, it's been uh, almost three years ago. Um, it was uh, sports spectrum itself has, has been around since 1985. And uh, it started as a magazine. It's, it's been a magazine um, for over 30 years now. And obviously, as you know, times have evolved, um, a website came into the mix. Um, and so those, those um, platforms were already there. The, the, the magazine and the website specifically were, were already there. Um, but when I got involved, they weren't, um, they were, they were kind of just getting by. And so with, with my experience and, and coupled with the experience of Jason Romano, whom you mentioned, our, our podcast host who worked for ESPN for so many years, um, having, having worked in, with, with Jason having worked in the sports media industry um, in his field, and then I, I, had, I worked for NBC for a number of years and a couple other organizations as well, having those professional organizations, um, the experience that we gained from those professional organizations and bringing that to Sports Spectrum, we just felt like this can be a brand or an organization that is on the same level as those organizations. Like we, we want to, we look to ESPN and like, let's just be 
a site, a website, and that's similar to ESPN, only we're going to have faith in everything that we do, obviously. Um, and so I think that sort of level, that, that standard um, was just inherent in me and in Jason. And like, that's, this is what we need to, this is what we should do for Sports Spectrum. And so um, having just the, the, the time to implement some of our ideas has helped, I think, Sports Spectrum grow. Um, but maybe what a lot of people don't know is that Sports Spectrum, the parent company of Sports Spectrum is, is Pro Athletes Outreach, which is a phenomenal organization uh, ministry that's been around 50 plus years. And um, once PAO kind of took over Sports Spectrum, I think things just kind of went to the next level mm -hmm. because PAO, um, as is its mission, has, has, a, has a goal to, to serve pro athletes. Um, and just through some of those connections and through some of those relationships, we've been able to do things with Sports Spectrum that might have been more difficult otherwise. Um, I mean, Jason has connections with, with athletes just from his, his many years in the industry. And, and that certainly helps when he gets interviews um, and stuff like that. Um, but I just think that we've kind of like once PAO took over sports spectrum, which is going on almost four years now, um, and brought some in, brought in some people like Jason and myself who have just had experience in other, with other organizations, we knew that there was a, there was an opportunity there to raise the level of excellence, I guess, um, in the type of content that sports spectrum was offering. And you've got just a great testimony that kind of got you to, to where you're at with Sports Spectrum. Just, you know, you um, just kind of starting back whenever you, you entered your career and you mentioned how you weren't you, you didn't have a faith whenever you were in college around that time of your life. Just um, kind of in your own words. I mean, walk me through the process of how you came to have a relationship with Jesus and how that's played a role in, in your career so far. Yeah, so I was. Um... I was raised in a Christian home. We, I knew about God. Um, we, we went to church. My parents would take us to church um, and would go to vacation Bible studies or vacation Bible school in the summer and, and stuff like that. But when I was, um, when I was in high school and college, like I was just more concerned about being like cool and being the cool guy. And that just kind of clouded my, my motives, my, my vision, I guess. And I just wanted to be popular. And, um, so I kind of lived that way. I mean, I was, I was a good student. And like I said, like I knew that I wanted to get into sports writing. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to get into sports writing and I wanted to go work for sports illustrated. You know, that was, yeah. that was like my goal. Um, that was my, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, any sports writer, that's like the pinnacles you want to write for, for sports illustrated. Um, and so that's just kind of like how I, I guess I was, I was defining myself or how I wanted to live my life. But um, just through some, through some friends, like I have a longtime friend that I grew up with. Uh, he's my best friend to this day. Um, he, he was my Christian friend growing up. So he kind of was always that example for me where I, I knew like, okay, he's, he's a believer. Um, I kind of just see how he's acting. I'm not always going to follow the way he's acting, but I could just kind of see how he's acting. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I learned some biblical truths growing up by going to, going to church. Um, even if it was like my parents' church that I didn't necessarily have friends at and stuff like that. I was, all these seeds were kind of planted along the way. Um, and then the, the biggest influence on me was my, my wife, my, my now wife, whom I met the last <clears throat> semester of, of my college career. Um, as we started dating and just, you know, as you have conversations, she would ask me questions about how I feel about things and my thoughts. And obviously the topic of, of faith came up. She's been a, a believer for a very long time and um, just eventually started challenging me in some things and, and why I believe what I believe. And so, you know, I, I graduated from college, had a, had a job, moved around a few places, ended up working for NBCSports.com out in Stanford, Connecticut. And by that point, my wife and I had been, um, well, she's my girlfriend at the time. We had been dating long distance for a while and she had started taking me to church and I was seeing a new type, a new side of church that I hadn't necessarily seen growing up. And by new side of church, I just mean 
a church where a church that's alive, that's, that's full of, um, full of excitement and like a pastor's up there cracking jokes and, and people are enjoying having a good time being there. That necessarily, that wasn't necessarily my experience growing up. Right. And so kind of that opened my eyes. And when I got out to Connecticut, um, Shannon just asked like, are you going to find a church? And I was like, well, I hadn't really thought of it because you're not out here to take me. <laughs> and she's like, well, I don't need to be out there to take you. You go find a church on your own. Like, why wouldn't you? And so like the kind of, the more I thought about that, she just challenged me to go find a church. And ultimately I did. I found a church in Stanford, Connecticut. And it was just this really small church that uh, kind of felt like all eyes were on me when I walked in one day, because it was just a small, a very small community. Um, and they could kind of see this new person. But I sat down, I listened to the message um, and just felt like there was something that was speaking to me. I could relate to it, I guess, in a, in a way. And I was in, in Connecticut and I, I had a good job, but I didn't really, I didn't have any friends. The only people I knew were the people that I worked with. Um, and so anyway, I just, uh, I kept going back. I kept going back to that church. Um, and after every Sunday that the pastor would ask, you know, do you feel like, the, the Lord's speaking to you. Do you feel like God's speaking to you? If, if you do, just raise your hand. I want to come pray with you. And I felt that way for, for quite a while, um, but never rose my hand. Um, until I just kind of got to this point where uh, I, was, I was covering the NFL. We got through the Super Bowl, and I just kind of felt this weight kind of come off my shoulders work-wise. And I was going to church the next Sunday after Super Bowl Sunday. I was just like, I'm going to raise my hand today. And it wasn't like me being bold saying, I'm going to raise my hand. It was somebody telling me, the Holy Spirit, telling me, raise your hand today. And so I finally did. And um, it was just kind of like this, like not a big hand raise. It was just a little hand raise. And the pastor saw me and he came and he prayed with me after. And, and um, that's the moment that I gave my life to Christ. And in the moment, I didn't exactly know what that meant. Um, but I just, I knew something was different the way I was feeling, the way I was thinking about things. I just knew something was different. Um, and so not long after that, um, I just, I started reading the Bible more regularly. My wife got me a life application Bible that I still have to this day. And I still read daily to this day. That obviously helped just start to learn some more of this personal relationship with God. And, um, it wasn't long after that, that I just got fed up of doing a long distance relationship with my wife. I was like, I'm going to move back to Denver because that's where she was at the time. Didn't know what I was going to do for a job. Um, I was like, I'm going to move back. And maybe a month or two before I was going to move back, um, my old boss who had hired me out of college and I had worked, I'd covered two Olympics with him. He, he had left NBC for a while. He came back and he was in charge of the next NBC Olympics website and wanted me to be involved. He was now based out in Stanford where I was living at the time, but I told him like, sorry, I can't, I'm moving back to Denver. Um, so I, I can't be a part of this website with you. After a day or two, he, he came back to me and he goes, I'd love for you to work for me remotely. You can do it from Denver. I know you do a good job. You can do it from Denver. And that was a real big career wise and personal wise. That was a real big moment for me to see like that God's hand was in this. Right. And so, um, Ended up getting, uh, t taking that job, working remotely, got married, um, worked for a few more, uh, covered a few more Olympics um, for, for NBC. And um, along those, along, during that time, my faith began to grow um, more so than it, than it was obviously initially. And I found myself a few years back look, working for a, um, a golf network, a startup golf network. And it just wasn't a great job, but it was a job. I was able to do it remotely. So I was just doing it. Um, it was just a paycheck. During that time, they, they were, I started to learn more about golfers and some of their personal stories and um, kind of wanted to tell those stories. And like, they were, there were some Christian golfers that I was like, these guys have really good stories and, and you don't, read much about their faith. And I was like, I'd love to be able to do that, to talk about their faith. Well, that wasn't, that wouldn't fly on the, for the website that I was working for at the time. So I couldn't write about that stuff, but that's kind of was the first time that I felt God put it on my heart to write about Christian athletes. 
And so from there, uh, fast forward, I, I leave that job. Um, and well, actually I was, I was fired from that job. They let me, well, they let me go because they, it was based in Connecticut. They offered me a promotion to move out there. I was like, I'm not going to move to Connecticut. We had just had a baby. I'm not going to move out there. (laughs) And they let me go a month later. So I was out of a job with a a six month old baby. Um, thankfully my wife was, was working and had a really good job. And just the pull on my heart to write about Christian athletes was so strong that I started to um, think, well, maybe I need to write a book about this. And so I kind of started down that path, met with some book publishers or book agents um, and started to write. I was like, okay, we'll do a different chapter about a different athlete. That was kind of the idea. Um, The more I dug into it, the idea had kind of already been done, which was fine, but I still was kind of going down that path. Ultimately, got in contact with an agent who had a, a swimmer who um, they were actually trying to write their own book and offered me to write their book. So I started down that path. Five or six months later, that project fell through. And so I was just like, God, what am I, what am I doing? If I have this desire to write about Christian athletes, what am I doing? Like, why isn't anything seem to be working? Um, and so there were some, there's some other issues going on. We can talk about a little bit with, uh, we just, we were having some uh, problems with, with um, having babies and um, it made it hard for me to find jobs or just look for jobs at the time. Right. Ultimately, I started working for my church because that was really the only option I had. Our church was growing and the pastor was like, I really could use some help. Uh, could you, as you're looking for another job, could you help me? And so I was like, yeah, I can. I can do that. And so I started help, just doing whatever, whatever our church needed to do. Uh, it was a lot of different things. And so I was going down that path and um, had some other job opportunities, job interviews that I thought, you know, were pretty good opportunities. They didn't pan out. And really the only thing that was there for me was working for my church. I was like, okay, I guess this is where God has me. And it it wasn't certainly anything that I had ever really kind of wanted to do. Um, But I was like, this is where God has me is working for my church. So I did that. Well, a few months into doing working for my church, um, my church showed football Sunday, which is uh, a production of sports spectrum and the increase in PAO. And at church that day, um, was a guy who was, who was involved with the making of that film or with that organization. He worked for PAO. And so I met this guy, Raymond, who, who knew the past, who knew our, our pastor, our pastor knew my background, knew his background. He connected us. He was, he my first connection to PAO and he um, didn't offer me a job or anything right away. We just had a conversation and I started to learn more about what PAO is and, and had learned that they had recently purchased sports spectrum and um, had recently brought on Jason Romano to, to start a podcast. And as things evolved over the next few months, they offered me a job. They had an opening for a writer editor um, for the magazine and, and the website. And initially I was like, I can't take this. I had just started full time with my, with my church, but <laughs> wives being as wise and, and loving as they are. Um, my wife, after a few days of this, she's like, what was it that God put on your heart all those years ago? And I was like to write about Christian athletes. And she's like, wouldn't this job with PAO and sports spectrum, wouldn't that be that? Yeah. And I was like, you're, you're right. It would. <laughs> and so it was a very tough conversation to have with my, with my pastor who I had just started, I, I was good friends with and had just started working full time for to just tell him like, I, I need to apply for this job. I didn't even, it was like, I'm just telling him I'm applying for the job. Not that I have the job where I'm leaving as a tough conversation to have, but ultimately he understood and he could see God's hand working in this. Right. Um, and before long I was working for PAO and, and here I am today. Man, I, I'm curious because, you know, my, my wife and I dated long distance pretty much our entire relationship until we got married. And granted, it was only a couple hours. You were in Connecticut. And at the time, your girlfriend was in Colorado. How much did your faith help you just with that aspect? Because I don't want to diminish. I mean, when you're making career decisions and you know that you're going to marry somebody, that plays into it. And it's hard to be it's hard to do distance, whether it's an hour. But I mean, you're yeah. several hours, several thousand miles away as you were navigating these career decisions and also trying to decide what to do about your relationship, how much, how much did that 
the growing faith in Jesus help you through all that? And you include your relationship as part of your, as part of your job quest as well. Well, honestly, I mean, I was a baby believer, I guess, back when a lot of that, those big decisions, I guess, were happening. I mean, when I was, I graduated, I moved to Minnesota, um, came back for a little while, moved back to Minnesota, came back for a little while, moved to Connecticut. I wasn't married then. And that's, that's, that was before we got married. And that's when um, I was still learning and being challenged by my girlfriend um, at the time of just, you know, what do you believe? And so there were, there were many times though, um, as I started to, as I gave my life to Christ and started to live out this faith, um, to where I had to ask myself, am I doing this for me? Am I doing this for her? What is this? Like if, if she were to say, I don't want to have a relationship with you anymore, we're done where would that leave me spiritually? Would that be like, okay, well, my girlfriend's out of the picture now. I don't have to do this God thing. Or I'm like, okay, well, even if she is out of the picture, is God still in my life? Right. And once I, answer, once I could answer that question to where like, no, God's in my life for the long haul, whether or not Shannon's in it or not, God is going to be in my life regardless. Um, that's kind of when my faith started going to the next level. Um, and when our relationship, my relationship with Shannon started to like, just make much, much more sense right. in that we were both following Christ, knowing that that was going to be the center of our relationship. And then going forward, I mean, that's just been, God's been at the center of all of our conversations when, you know, when we're about to get married, we are getting premarital counseling from our pastor. And, and uh, we just know that like, God's got to be at the center. He's always going to be at the center. Um, we always told each other, we're like, divorce is not an option. Right. Um, God's always going to be at the center. And that's just made our relationship that much easier. Just knowing that, like, we, we obviously have arguments, but we all know that we both know that we're coming from a place of we're both pursuing a relationship with God, that we obviously have that common ground. And that's a great foundation to build our whole marriage on. Yeah. And as you're describing, you know, these career decisions, I mean, I can, I can definitely relate to that to some degree. Cause I mean, I think at least me personally, and I think anybody listening, you know, one area that we as humans want to feel like we should and can control it's our career and those decisions. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's not true sometimes, especially right now as we're living in kind of an, an economically uh, fragile time, you know, people that are listening mm -hmm. may have lost their job because of the virus, but what I hear whenever you're describing this career stuff is that, you know, it, it really does take a lot of faith to know this is what God's calling me to do. And you mentioned how you were kind of in some, some waiting periods where you're not really sure what God's doing. Like I'm, I'm taking this job because it's kind of a stop gap, you know, I, and I can relate to that to some degree. I mean, just how much did your, it's, I guess it'd be too easy to say how much did your faith grow, but I mean, for a lot of people, you know, it's easy to say I've got faith in Jesus, but when we're put in certain situations like that, where, you know, I've got to provide for my family and I need a job and I'm waiting on, on God to move on my behalf. It takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of, I'm, I've got to put this out of my own control and let God take control. And you, you had a couple or maybe even several instances where you had to do that. And mm -hmm. it's hard to do that without a strong faith. So, I mean, as you encountered each of those decisions, you know, obviously your faith played a role into it, but maybe walk, walk, walk us through, you know, cause people that have faith, they may be listening and, and they're like, you know, I, I want to give God, I want to put everything in God's hands. I want to let him make the decisions, but I'm still struggling with wanting to make the decision on my own. What did that look like for you personally to maybe where you wrestled with that and you, you wanted to go here, but you knew that you had to trust God. I mean, just in your own perspective, mm -hmm trusting in, in the Lord as those career, those career decisions were happening, what did that look like for you personally? And what, I don't want to say what advice would you give, but how would you maybe counsel yeah. somebody that's going through something similar? Yeah. Um, well, as you said, it's, it's a matter of trust. Um, you, you've got to uh, just realize, I guess, for me, I, I just had to realize that I'm not in control. I can't be in control. There's only certain things that I can control. Um, so it's like, if I have a job interview, the only thing that I can control is uh my my attitude my my appearance like my disposition my 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 answers but like i don't know what they're gonna ask me mm -hmm. um 
And after the interview, like, I don't know, I don't know who else they're interviewing, like the other candidates, maybe more qualified, whatever. I can't control any of that, you know? And so it's up to, it's up to God. Like, I just have to continuously tell myself over and over, God, you're in control. If you want me in this job, it'll happen. It'll happen. And, um, it's interesting. There, there were, like, like I mentioned before, I was, I started working for my church and, um, I love my church, but I just, I, I saw myself getting into ministry, but I just, I didn't know exactly what that looked like. And it certainly didn't necessarily, I didn't think it would be with a church. I didn't think it would be for my church. I thought like, okay, well, if that's a good job, like I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Um, but it's not necessarily what I, what I wanted to do. There was one moment where um, some friends of mine took me on a retreat, on a men's retreat. And the sermon that was given to us one day was, um, anything that's not in God will die. But anything that's, that's in God will, will live. And it hit me in that moment that my career up to that point wasn't in God. It was just, I was pursuing what, what I wanted to pursue. I wasn't necessarily like, I was asking to find, for God to find favor on me. Um, but I wasn't necessarily asking like, God, where do you want me? I was like, God, this is the job I want. Do you have favor for me? Would you find favor for me in this role? It wasn't like, God, where do you want me? Right. And I kind of had to come to that moment. Like in that moment, I was I heard this message preached by this, this great pastor. And then we had some moment of some time of isolation where we were just told to just go be with the Lord and, and reflect on what he's telling you. And that's, that was a big thing. I still remember to this day of, um, of him saying like, your career hasn't been in me, you know? Yeah. And so um, at the time I was like, I was just doing a whole bunch of like freelance stuff. And, you know, there was just a lot of uncertainty in my career and in, in my life. Um, and I was like, all right, God, it's yours. It's like, I want my career to, to be in you, to be blessed by you. I want to be doing what you want me to be doing, like the will that you have for my life. Um, and soon after that is when I started working for my church and I was like, okay, if this is what you want me to do, this is what I'm going to do. And when I stepped out and like, I, I was working for my church, which was not a, a, a career field that I thought I would ever be in. Um, I was doing, doing this job, it was ministry, but it, it was a job. And, um, I was like, okay, God, if this is what you have for me, then this is what I'm, what I'm going to do. And then I did that obediently and faithfully. And I feel like I saw God's favor in that. And that just a few months after I, I started in that role is when I, I discovered or, or met the right people that I needed to meet. God put the right people in my path um, to have the job with Sports Spectrum that I do now. And you hit on, I think, an aspect of that, that oftentimes whenever we, when we talk about following the will of God and, you know, praying for that kind of stuff, oftentimes we, we kind of forget, like, well, what happens when what we're praying for doesn't happen? or if we're you know, feel like we're getting impatient. And, and I wrote something earlier, earlier this year, actually, I think it was maybe last summer that I wrote it uh, some, sometime recently. But I, and I said, basically, for me, I've kind of come to the realization that there's really, in my opinion, there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Because if I pray for something, and maybe it doesn't happen, because of what I want, you know, God's saying, that's not my best for you. That's not my will for you. And so what I've really had to train my mind to do is pray much like Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, like, if not my will, like, let me be okay with what your will is. And, mm -hmm. you know, how much you, you kind of touched on it there, but how much of that played into to, you know, your mindset as you kind of grew in your faith and as your careers were changing and your jobs were changing, you know, like, Hey, I want to do this, but maybe this isn't what the Lord has for me. For anybody who's listening, you know, it's easy. Life is easy whenever we pray and something happens what we want it to, but it's a little different when we pray for something and maybe it doesn't happen. And it's hard for us as humans to reconcile that. How much of that was in your, was, was a part of your prayers where, Hey Lord, this is what I want, but this may not be what you have for me. So let me be okay with what you, whatever it is that you have for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a big factor. Um, and I've, <clears throat> I, I, 
I won't speak for anybody else, but I've heard other stories when, when uh, people say, you know, after you become a believer, God kind of answers some of your, um, your, your prayers, your maybe your, your selfish prayers or your immature prayers. Like he'll answer some of those just to kind of like drop seeds and say, I'm here. I, I hear you. I know what you want, you know, and, but by no means is, is God just a genie in a bottle that, exactly. you know, you can yeah. ask him and he gives you what you wish. Yeah. Um, that's part of spiritual maturity is as you grow in your faith and in your relationship with God is um, you might not get some of those selfish prayers answered because I, I think by nature, a lot of our prayers are selfish. Like we yeah. want, we want comfort and we want things to happen well for us. Um, but God doesn't want us to be selfish. Right. He wants us to, um, to love him and to love others. And so that may not always look like what, what we want it to look like. And that's how he's shaping us. He's, he's shaping us to, um, to see things, to see the world, to see our lives from his perspective. And so, yeah, as my career, you know, has gone on and I've grown in my faith is, um, I point back to just the time that I was working at my church that just, that wasn't what I, it wasn't what I wanted to do career wise. I had always wanted to be in sports media. I'd always wanted to be a writer. That's what I had always wanted to do. And now all of a sudden I'm working for my church, which I love. And like, I still go to the church and like, am, am still involved in a large capacity with my church. Um, but that isn't necessarily what I wanted to do with my career. But I was, but I did it because I'm like, okay, God, this is what you have for me. It was made clear to me through, through prayer, through um, just a lot of circumstances. Like this is where God was saying, this is what I have for you. And being, I I just wanted to be obedient. And so I was like, okay, God, then, then this is the job I'm going to take and I'll do it to the best of my ability, to the best of the ability that you give me, I'm going to do this job well. And then, like I said, a few, a few months later, I was, I'm just so fortunate, so grateful that um, not only am I still able to do ministry, but I'm able to do ministry within the sports media field that I had always wanted to be a part of and that I feel like God had gifted me for. Like, I feel like God has given me the gift of writing and editing and, and, and sports knowledge and sports interest, I guess, to carry out this job. And I can look back now and just see like, well, way back 20 years ago when I wanted to be a sports writer and 10 years ago when I was becoming a stronger believer, like all of that was happening to shape me into the, the man that God wanted me to be. And, and that's where I'm at right now. Hey guys, just interrupting this conversation with John real quick to tell you about the Hannah Brencher summer writing intensive that I mentioned at the beginning of the show. If you are a writer and you have been waiting or dragging your foot to start on a project and you've got a goal in mind to either write a book or just become a better writer, this is the absolute right time to stop making excuses and to get down and do the work. And Hannah Brincher's Summer Writing Intensive is the absolute best option for that. This is something that I did last summer. I was sort of dragging my foot on my book proposal for about two years. I didn't even have a single chapter written. And so I did this Summer Writing Intensive and came away with three chapters written that I was really, really happy with. And this course is jam-packed with information about just the writing process, the book editing and publishing process, how to build a platform, which is something that every single author needs. And that's what I'm finding out a lot of right now too, just about more of that. And it really helps you develop habits and a routine. And that's what this is all about. And the best part about this is that there are six or more hours of content and once you register for the class, you have the content forever. You can go back and revisit it. You can go at your own pace. Here's the thing, though. This class is sold out 10 times. So I want you to go to the link in the show notes right now while we're taking a break. Go to the link in the show notes. Go ahead and register. Get the early bird special. It's $129. You will not find a better deal with a, such an established author, successful author like Kana Brincher. You will not find a better deal than this. If you're a writer wanting to get started, I promise you, you will not find a better deal than this. So make sure you take advantage of the offer that I have for my listeners. Go to my show notes, check out the link, go ahead and register for the Hannah Brincher Summer Writing Intensive. If you're a writer, I promise you, you will not regret it. It's awesome. I love hearing stories about that, just about how 
you know, our, maybe our career doesn't pan out exactly how we envisioned it whenever we were in college, but it doesn't mean that God isn't moving in that. And that's something that I've realized just in my own career. I mean, I never thought when I was 20 that at 30, I'd be a high school English teacher, but Mm. I mean, here I am and I'm, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. And, um, and that's, you know, that's true for me, just even in my personal life. And and you've got quite a testimony just in your personal life away from work that, you know, I, I talked to you before this and you just making sure that you were comfortable sharing it. Cause I know it can be hard, but yeah. I guess, you know, walk through, so you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier, but, but you, you and your wife have had um, s- some infertility issues. And I know that that can be really, really hard just to put it simply. I mean, it's, it can be very, very heartbreaking and hard and you've been, you know, open about it. I know you talked to Jason about it on his podcast, but how, how did, you know, obviously as Christians, we go through times where not that our faith is tested per se, but you know, we all, we go, we go through really hard times as any human does. And um, I think at least for me, whenever I've gone through those times, I'm, I'm grateful that I have a faith. I'm grateful that I have the mm-hmm. Lord to count on. And yeah. um just last night, my wife and I watched The Shack, uh, the, the movie The Shack, and obviously that whole story is is basically about that, you know. And one of the best parts about that is is God telling him, you know, I never I never left you, even though you thought I wasn't there, I never left you. And I'm sure yeah. that this is those were feelings that you felt. And I'll, I'll just kind of let you tell your your testimony and share kind of how your relationship with God helped you and your family through those times. Yeah, yeah. So um, we. In 2014, um, we had our, our daughter, Callie. Um, we, we got pregnant, um, decided we want to have kids, um, got pregnant. There were, there were no issues with the pregnancy whatsoever and um, had our beautiful baby girl in July of, uh, of 2014. And so about a year or so, a little bit after that, um, we wanted to have a, have another baby and got pregnant. Um, and it was at the 12 week ultrasound that we went in and just from the way the ultrasound tech was, was acting some things that she was saying, we could just tell something was wrong. And, um, so we didn't know if it was, you know, like a miscarriage or if there was just something wrong with the baby. Well, it turns out that there was something wrong with the baby. And we, um, they didn't know exactly what yet, but we, so the, the ultrasound tech saw somebody, saw, saw something and then said, sorry, can you guys wait out in the waiting room or have the doctor come and talk to you? And it's just, if you, that's never a good thing. If, if, if the nurse or if the ultrasound tech people are telling you that and, um, ultimately went to go, went in to see the doctor and the doctor said, your, your baby is incompatible with life. Um, super hard words to hear, but also very hard words to comprehend in the moment. Right. And I just remember thinking like, we were wrong. Like that's, that's not, that's not the case here. Like you're, you're wrong. Something's wrong. Like you're not seeing something or just something's wrong. Um, but I'm like, okay, well tell us more. And ultimately they said, "You, you need to go see another, um, another doctor who has more specialty in, in this area. And so we did later that afternoon and they did another ultrasound and they confirmed and essentially just said that the baby's not growing properly. Um, the baby's, the baby's skull was not closing the way it needed to be closing. Um, and it wasn't going to basically, they said something's preventing that from happening and your baby's not going to be able to live outside the womb. And so at the time they still didn't know, know what was going to happen in, in, in so many terms, they, they suggested abortion. Um, but God bless my wife. She, she wasn't having that. Um, <laughs> she even said that day, she's like at, at, to the doctors, like I will carry this child as, as long as I possibly can. Uh, we, we will not, we will not abort whatsoever. And so they gave us some options, told us some things that we could do. Um, and ultimately as that pregnancy just went on, they, the, the doctors learned more about what was happening to the baby. Um, obviously we were praying day and night for, for healing. Um, ultimately it didn't, it didn't come in that fashion in the fashion that we were hoping for. Um, and we met our son Eli 
in uh, March of 2016. He was, he was born and passed away on his, on his mother's chest a few seconds later. Um, ultimately, the, 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 like the doctors had, had thought, the, 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 his body just wasn't developing the way, it, the way it needed to. And before he was born, somebody had us do some, uh, some DNA tests because they, just, they thought that this could be a genetic thing. Um, but weren't sure. And so they wanted us to do some genetic tests just to make sure. Well, they had the results actually while we were at the hospital about to give birth, knowing we we're about to give birth and lose our son. They actually said, we actually have the results of your DNA test. Do you want to, to know? And we're like, no, we don't. Because that kind of test was going to determine almost determine our future. Like, can we have children again or, or not? Um, and so we said, we don't, we don't want to know. And then, um, I don't know, a few weeks after we got home from the hospital with Eli, um, we got the results and it turns out that it's uh, some genetic condition. It's called Meckelgruber. And, um, it is, everybody has recessive genes. Like you have recessive genes. I have recessive genes. My wife has recessive genes. And in many cases they don't, they don't play much of a factor, I guess. Um, but you know, there's genetic conditions like down syndrome, um, and, and stuff like that. And so, they, we had never heard of Meckelgruber before, and, and some of these doctors had never even heard of it before, but um, they determined that that was the cause of what was happening with, with Eli. And so they told us, like, this is actually, um, this can happen in 25% of you two as a couple, in 25% of, um, of your cases of having a, of having a child. Um, so. 75% chance you can have a healthy child, which we did in our daughter, Callie, and 25% chance that you could have a baby that's not going to make it, um, which we had in, in Eli. And so um, what they were saying was like a recessive gene that I have and a recessive gene that my, my wife has, super crazy odds for like two people to have that same recessive gene and then get married and try to make offspring. And then this case exists. Um, so we were told that like, they're just, they're long odds that like two people like us would even with this one particular gene, whatever come together. And, you know, the odds were in our favor to have a healthy child, 75% chance healthy, 25% chance not. So we decided we're, we still wanted to have children. So let's have another, another child. And we were believing that we were, we could have another healthy baby. And so we got pregnant again. And, um, Things seemed okay at, at first. We got pregnant, had a couple doctor's appointments. I said the baby's growing. Well, at this 12-week ultrasound, um, we knew this was like the big one, the one that they would kind of be able to see what they saw the last time and did the ultrasound, and my wife spotted it right away. She knew exactly what to look for on the ultrasound. Um, the doctor didn't even have the, the ultrasound tech at the time. She didn't even have to say anything because we just yeah. knew. Yeah. And so it happened again. Um, and we, uh, had our son Joey in, uh, January of 2017. And so at that point, obviously that was just, it was really, really the, the day we found out that it was going to happen again was probably the hardest day of my life. Yeah. Um, because the first time we heard the news, we just, we didn't know exactly what to expect. The second time we heard the news, we're like, we knew what to expect. We'd already lived through it. We were hoping and praying to not have to live through this again. Right. And here we are, we're going to have to live through this again. Yeah. And so very, very, very tough. Um, never, I never doubted God. I never questioned if he was real or if he was good or anything like that. But that's just obviously tested my faith and my wife's faith of like, is God good? God is good. Why, why isn't he preventing this? Or why isn't he like, healing our children or, or, right. or why, like why, but God doesn't always have to tell us why. And we don't always, maybe we're not, you know, God's ways are above our ways. And so we don't, we don't always need to know why we want to, but we don't always need to for, for whatever reason. And so we just had to go on believing that God is good. <clears throat> we're going to see his goodness. We have seen his goodness. Um, Obviously, those were tough situations to go through, but we saw God's goodness every single day in our daughter, who was just so full of life, so loving, so compassionate, 
and she really carried us through those those tough times. Um, and so, you know, at that point, it was like, well, we've we've had two children pass away. We have our our healthy baby girl. Obviously, what do we want to do? We still wanted to have another child, and so we um, decided to do IVF, which is in vitro fertilization. And it's largely, it's mainly for couples who have trouble getting pregnant. Um, that wasn't our problem. We were able to get pregnant, but being that this was a genetic condition, if we did IVF, they could test the embryos um, five days after fertilization and, and be able to, to determine whether or not a baby was going to have this syndrome or not. And so that's the route that we went and we were able to get um, two healthy embryos through this process. And so we were able to, to implant and um, had our healthy, beautiful baby boy, Cohen, uh, in June, or in, sorry, in May of 2018. And so he just turned two and he is, he is amazing. He's a, he's a, a awesome little kid and, and um, so blessed. I'm just so grateful every day that I get to put him down to bed and, and thank the Lord for, for the blessing that he is. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there was a, there was a part of me that was like, are we trying to play God here when we're like, you know, with, with IVF, like it's not natural. It's, you know, it's, it, of course it was, it's, it's my sperm and my wife's eggs and, and all that, but you know, obviously we needed just the doctor's help to test the stuff. And then are we playing God here? Like I wrestled with that for, for a while. Yeah. Um, but ultimately came to the realization and understanding that the only reason this technology and this knowledge exists is because of God. Yeah. These doctors know what they know and they know how to do what they do because of God. Yeah. And so completely um, okay with going along with IVF and, and know that, that our child Cohen is a, is a blessing from the Lord yeah. still. And so an amazing blessing he is. We, we had another embryo uh, through that process and um, knowing that we had another embryo, we wanted to, we didn't want to just to go to waste, obviously. And so we implanted that embryo last summer um, and got pregnant again. But unfortunately this time it, it didn't last. It didn't, it didn't take, well, it took, um, but the pregnancy didn't last. We, for whatever reason, we don't know. And unfortunately last summer uh, we had a miscarriage with, with our, we knew it was a baby girl, Emma is what we named her. And unfortunately had a, had a miscarriage last, last summer, um, knowing that that was our, our last opportunity to have another child. And man, that was, that was really tough as well. Just, just knowing that was our last chance and, and knowing like, all right, well, we have this other embryo. We had a healthy baby through IVF once. Um, why wouldn't it happen again? Like, obviously that's what we were hoping for and thinking was going to happen. And then to have it not happen was, was devastating. It was, it was really tough. And, and again, I don't, I don't have any answers for, for why that had to happen other than um, I just rest in the, in the fact that, that I believe my, my, my two boys, Eli and Joey and my daughter, Emma are all in heaven. Yeah. And honestly, there's no better place to be, you know, yeah. Obviously, I wish that they were here on earth with us, but as parents, the, the goal of any parent is to, any Christian parent, is to um, train your kids up or raise your kids up in the Lord so that they will spend life in eternity. And we, we, we believe that our three uh, babies who aren't here on earth with us are up in heaven, and, and we look forward to reuniting with them one day. Man, huh? First of all, I, I appreciate you telling that. I know it can't be easy to, to remember all that and, and share that story, but I'm yeah. very grateful for that because, you know, I, I don't know who listens to these episodes and I don't know what they go through. And I just, I hope and pray yeah. that, that the stories that I bring on here will resonate with them. And, you know, it, it just, it dawned on me last week that I needed to get you on this podcast and have you share this story. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe somebody is, has gone through that or, or will experience that at some point and they can, they can resonate with your story and rest in that. And, you know, you mentioned it, that yeah. you never doubted God. You never got angry with God. But I think anytime that we go through a, a tragedy or a heartbreak like that, that is our nature is to wonder why and to get angry with God. And 
to say, you are the almighty God, you are the healer, why couldn't you heal this? And for me personally, one of the, the things that I always rest with, and this comes from Barnabas Piper's book, Help My Unbelief, and he says, we're, we're finite beings trying to understand an infinite God. And there's just, yeah. there's just there, that's something that I like, the whole point of the book that I'm writing is basically saying that, you know, we're, we're not going to understand why things like this happen, but it doesn't make it easier to accept the reality. It doesn't make it any easier. Right. And I guess from your perspective, how were you able to rest in that? And, you know, I kind of asked this a little bit earlier too, but how would you maybe counsel somebody who they've gone through that and they're wanting to be angry with God. They're wanting to, and not that, first of all, not that there's anything wrong with asking why or being angry with God. I think that there's value in that because uh, I've read several books by, by great authors and I've gotten to have them on this podcast and they've shared their stories about how asking those questions have brought them to a stronger faith. But I guess in your perspective, you know, um, how did you navigate those emotions? And, and maybe if somebody was, was wrestling with those questions, how would you, how would you counsel them through that? Yeah. What, Remind me, what was it that you just said from that book? Um, he said, we are finite beings trying yeah. to understand an infinite God. Basically, yeah. that we are not yeah. created to understand everything about God. Exactly. I, I, I love that because I, I have had that thought um, and, and, you know, just kind of meditated on that thought of like, we, we don't know everything. Um, God does. God sees, sees us and our lives from a much different perspective than, than we do. Right. And um, we want to know everything, but we don't. And it's, it's just about putting my trust and my hope in the God who created this universe, who created all of us humans, that he's the all-knowing and all-powerful God. We don't know his ways, but we have to, but we need to trust his ways because I'm not, there's, I can't put myself, my trust in anything else. Um, because it's, it's all going to fade away. God's, God's not going to fade away. And so I put my trust and my hope in him, knowing that he knows everything, knowing that, um, you know, as I talked about with, with just my career, like it, when I was at the beginning of my career, he knew where I was going to be today. He knew that I was going to be having this conversation with you right now, 20 years ago, when I was just getting started in my career or whatever. He knew that. And so he's shaping us along the way to bring us, um, you know, into the, into the roles, into the positions that he wants us to be in to serve him for his glory. We don't know that. You know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, he does. And so that's just where I find my comfort and had to return to time and time again is this. Um, I want to know the answers to these things and I'm trying to find out the answers to these things, but, um, my hope is in heaven and I look forward to the, to the day that I can sit down with God and have a conversation with him of, you know, why did this have to happen? Why did this have to happen? What were you trying to teach me here? And, and that's another thing is I, I just continuously tell myself, what, what can you learn from this? And, um, you know, we, we go through hard times and what I've learned is a lot of times situations that we go through can help somebody else. And so, like, like you mentioned, if, if me sharing this can help one person, then, you know, I take great comfort in that. And, and I'm, I'm happy to be, be able to, to talk to anybody who might be going through something similar. But I think God wants us to love God and love others and in a way that you can love others is by helping them through hard situations. And you just, we, we through, through all this that, I, that I've talked about with our, with our family and, and um, having difficulties with, with babies and um, we've met a great family through this, a family um, who started an organization for families like us. Like they, they had walked through a similar situation of, of getting a prenatal fatal diagnosis of their baby and they had nobody to turn to. And so they started a foundation uh, called String of Pearls that helps families through situations like this. And we are forever grateful to them for walking with us through this situation. And I think that's what God calls us to do. Like they, they, they were there for us and we can now be there through for other people who go through similar situations. It's not like, it's not like this is a, a club or anything that I really wanna be a part of, but we are. And if we can help other people through it, 
um, because of our experience with God and, and through these situations, then I want to help others. So. Well, John, I'm grateful for you for sharing this story and obviously for the work that Sports Spectrum does. I'm grateful to yeah. be a part of that and able to contribute. I've really enjoyed it and just grateful for the mission that that, that, that publication has, has has in the in the sports and journalism world and just grateful for this conversation and yeah. i guess kind of as we as we wrap it up here my, my the name of the show is in no hurry and so i always like to ask my guests um kind of on, on a lighter note you know what do you do whenever you're when your life is kind of busy and you're uh you know trying to slow down what do you do to kind of create space to slow down and um remove the hurry from your life and just relax and have fun what's kind of your go-to thing well, um, to relax and have fun, I mean, well, I, I, I'm a sports fan, so I, I, I love going to, to sporting events, which we're not able to do right yeah. now. <laughs> um, but I actually had a day like this um, last week. Is, is I just was, like you said, I was in no hurry. I was able to have a day to myself where I didn't have any agenda. I, you know being married and, and a father, I cleared it with my wife, like, Hey, I'm going to go and, you know, just be alone for a day. And, um, and I, I advise anybody out there, if you want to do that for yourself, also try to do it for your spouse. And so, so yeah. I made the agreement, like I, I would love to have a day for myself. Um, and I would love to give you a day to yourself. I told my wife that. Um, and so that both just, that, that kind of just re rejuvenates, replenishes both of us. And so where it's just like, you don't have to worry about uh, a kid's nap schedule. You don't have to worry about getting them lunch. You don't have to worry about work or you don't have to worry about bedtime. You don't have to worry about doing the dishes. Um, just a day to do that, to just be wherever, do whatever you want to do. And so I was able to have that last week and just super rejuvenated from that. was able to go, um, just go on a hike and just go out to lunch with a buddy of mine and, um, kind of stuff that you always want to do, but keep putting off because you're so busy. Um, every so often, we all just need that time to, to block up the schedule to do nothing or to yeah. do very little or just do something that rejuvenates you, replenishes you. And so it's, it's easier said than done, but it's necessary. And so it's something I strive to do when I can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for, for joining me yeah. here. And uh, obviously, check out Sports Spectrum uh, on Twitter, social media, sportspectrum.com, the magazine. If people want to reach out to you individually, where can people find you, uh, whether that's email or social media? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Probably, probably email. I'm on social media. You can find me on, on Twitter and, and Instagram, but I'm not super active on there. But um, feel free to, to reach out to me. Uh, through email. Uh, the best email address would be john, J-O-N, at sportspectrum.com. Happy to answer any emails, um, answer any questions people may have. All right. Well, John, thanks so much. And uh, we'll chat again soon. And thanks so much again for, for sharing your story. It means a lot. Absolutely. Thanks, Cole, for having me on, buddy. Well, I'm just so grateful for John coming on and being willing to speak about the emotions that he and his wife and their family felt during the infertility struggles that they had. And I know it's not easy for him to talk about all of that. And I'm just grateful for him to come on here and share his testimony because I just trust that the guests that I bring on here, that their stories will reach the people that listen to this show. And I don't know what you have gone through, what you're currently going through or what you will go through, but I just trust that these stories that people share will affect you in some way. So I'm super grateful for John and also just very grateful to be a part of Sports Spectrum. Very grateful for the ministry that Sports Spectrum is. And if you've not read any of the stuff uh, that we put out by Sports Spectrum or listen to the podcast, I highly recommend it. If you're into sports and you'd like to hear the faith aspect of sports, there's really no better place to go. So make sure you check out Sports Spectrum. Make sure you Reach out to John, let him know that you enjoyed hearing him on this show as well. And one more quick reminder, check out the Hannah Brencher Summer Writing Intensive. I cannot recommend that enough. If you do end up signing up, let me know. I'd love to hear who all is joining it and would love to give you some more feedback on my experience with it and uh, just would love for people to take advantage of the offer that is on that's going on right now because I promise you, you're not going to find a better course if you're wanting to be a writer 
Hey, if you guys need me at all, you know where to find me. I'm Cole Claiborne on basically all social media platforms. I'd love for you guys to give me a follow, reach out, let me know what you like about this show. If you've got guest suggestions or any other suggestions, feel free to shoot them my way. And as always, I'd love for you guys to sign up for my newsletter. If you have not signed up for that as well, there's a link in the show notes. Or you can head to my website, ColeClayborn.com find the newsletter tab and you can sign up there i'd love for you guys to be a part of that but thank you guys so much for listening try to find some time this week to relax and not be in a hurry we will see you next week